Usually, treatment interventions focus on a single disease. Given that more than half of adults over the age of 65 live with several diseases, many healthcare practitioners have started to readjust their approach to this new reality. It's unclear, however, whether integrated approaches to care are more effective than a more traditional approach. I'm Dr. Ken Flagel, Senior Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, I'm speaking with two of the authors of a research article published in CMAJ. Professor Monica Kastner and Dr. Sharon Strauss, along with their co-authors, conducted a systematic review of the literature and have analyzed the effectiveness of interventions that treat more than one chronic disease compared with the usual care strategy of treating a single disease. They have joined me to explain their findings. Colleagues, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Professor Kastner, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your work before we get started? Sure. So thank you so much, Dr. Flagel, for inviting us to talk about our work. Um, I'm a research chair in knowledge translation and implementation at North York General Hospital in Toronto, an affiliate scientist at the Lee Cushing Knowledge Institute of St. Michael's Hospital, and assistant professor at the University of Toronto. The goals of my research are really looking at improving the health and health services of patients. Um, in particular, I'm very interested in older adults. And I'm also very interested to advance the science and practice of knowledge translation. And Dr. Strauss, tell us about yourself and your work. Thank you, Dr. Flagel. I'm a geriatrician and researcher based at the St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto. I hold the Tier 1 Canada Research Chair in Knowledge Translation and lead the Knowledge Translation Program at the Lee Keshing Knowledge Institute of St. Michael's, and I'm also Director of the Division of Geriatric Medicine at the University of Toronto. So my research is similarly focused to what Dr. Kastner was talking about, in particular, how do we optimize care for older adults, and how do we avoid research waste? At this point, I'd like to pause and point out to the alert reader of the CMAJ or listener to this podcast that uh, Professors Kastner and Dr. Strauss are also editors at the CMAJ, and I would like to make it clear that they were treated strictly as authors on this paper, having nothing to do with the editing and the the consideration process for the journal and they were certainly put through the same demanding process that we put all our authors through to make the article as good as we can possibly do it. Dr. Kastner, how is multimorbidity defined? So uh, we define multimorbidity according to the WHO definition. Um, So basically defined as the coexistence of two or more chronic conditions in the same individual uh, which really means that one chronic disease is not necessarily more central than the others. And so this was really important for us because um, we wanted to differentiate this from um, the case of comorbidities, where there's a primary or index condition uh, with multiple coexisting conditions. And the diseases that we really considered here uh, were those that are highly prevalent and associated with increased healthcare utilization, So those types of diseases that we would consider high-burden chronic conditions, such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression, COPD, heart failure, and um, arthritis. In Canada, we know that um, older adults represent the fastest-growing proportion of the population. 
we have many of these adults because partly because they're living longer, but they're also living with more diseases. Can you tell us about the recent numbers concerning this population? Uh, yes, definitely. So um, estimates from uh, 2016 um, indicated that about 13% of our population was 65 years of age or older, which uh, represents about 5 million people. And multimorbidity prevalence estimates are also quite high, about 43%. And this is consistent with uh, this global phenomenon that we're seeing uh, so more than half of older adults are estimated to be living with uh, multiple chronic conditions worldwide. Um, so given the current and anticipated future increase of the older adult population, um, it is estimated that by the year 2036, um, older adults will make up 25% of the population and consume about 62% of the, the healthcare budget. Dr. Strauss, can you comment on this? Yes, thank you. So one of the other things that we have to think about is that people with morbid multimorbidity have more complex needs, and not just from a medical perspective, but also from a social perspective. We also know that this population is at higher risk for adverse health outcomes. They experience more frequent hospitalization, and they also have a lower health-related quality of life. The other thing from a health systems perspective is that this segment of our population uses more healthcare services and prescribed medications. We also know from the patient level that they have much more significant disability and a higher risk of mortality. Now, one of the things that sometimes gets ignored but is a critical factor is that multimorbidity in older adults also has an impact on the caregivers. So if we think about, for example, there's data showing that there is an impact on caregiver stress, on caregiver quality of life, and some studies have shown an association with caregiver mortality as well. So it's extending beyond the patients with multimorbidity. So why did you want to do this particular study? There was a few reasons, and one of the key things was the, the recognition in the literature that only about 55% of older adults receive the care that's recommended according to national guidelines. We also know that multimorbidity, as we've talked about, is not just complex, but it's really poorly understood, and in particular in older adults. And we had it in the back of our minds that we wanted to create a multimorbidity tool to help patients and clinicians try and tackle some of these gaps. But one of the things that we identified was that we don't really know a lot about the chronic disease interventions, and in particular, the ones that maybe integrate the care of two or more chronic conditions. Most of the strategies that have been published really focus on a single disease entity, and they're not maybe developed for people with multiple conditions or for older adults or not thinking about sustainability over time. And then most importantly, our work was informed by patients. And we always include, include patients in the work that we do. And in particular, we've had a longstanding relationship with groups like the Retired Teachers of Ontario. And we sent out a survey to them and asked them what issues they felt would be important for us to tackle from a, a research perspective. And one of the top things that they identified was how do we manage multiple chronic conditions? And so we wanted to be able to make sure that we address needs that were relevant to the patient population that we serve. Professor Kastner, can you tell us specifically what you looked at in this study and how did you go about making sense of it? 
So yes, we searched for uh, multiple chronic disease interventions that were specifically or more deliberately created to address multimorbidity. Um, so this meant that all study participants had to have the same chronic disease dyad or triad combination. So this is where that distinction between multimorbidity and comor- comorbidity was was so important for us because we were really looking for interventions that were targeting patients with a particular combination of disease dyads and tri- triads rather than a single disease. Um, so in terms of our comparator, uh, we, we considered any comparator or any control or usual care strategy um, in, in, in any of our included studies. What would be a typical dyad or triad pair that you looked at? So for example, diabetes and depression, COPD and heart failure. And what, what qualified as an intervention? So we were looking for um, multimorbidity interventions, so any intervention that would look at a wide range of outcomes that um, older adults would face um, with different multiple chronic conditions. So this meant that we could consider anything from um, disease reduction and disease symptoms um, or outcomes. It could in- involve um, improving quality of life. Um, it's a whole different range of outcomes that we were looking for. But the most important piece for us was that the intervention had to be deliberately created to address a particular um, disease combination. So we were really looking for excluding any study that was looking at an index disease. So diabetes would be a good example of that because there's many, many interventions that look at diabetes where they do address um, comorbidities in terms of describing their patient population, but their entire study population would not have the same combination of of, uh, disease dyads or triads. So, for example, you did not limit yourself to some classical things such as a prescription for a drug or a medical procedure. You had other interventions that are focused on the patient that you that you included. Exactly. So it could be anything from reducing um, HbA1c levels to reducing um, depression um, on on a on a validated depression score to quality of life to self management to mortality. So it could be um, really any outcome we considered as long as the intervention was targeting uh, these these types of patients and these types of disease uh, combinations. So you ended up with 25 randomized trials in your search that were specific uh, to interventions for managing multiple chronic diseases. What were your principal findings? So overall, our findings showed that care coordination interventions appear to have the best potential for having some kind of positive impact uh, on older adults with multimorbidity. So we defined care coordination is is really as a broad term that can be defined as deliberate efforts by two or more healthcare professionals uh, to facilitate and coordinate the appropriate, timely, and efficient delivery of healthcare services for a patient. So that's how we defined it. Uh, but I also wanted to mention that when we looked at the intervention components more closely, so this meant that we actually deconstructed every intervention to its individual elements or components, we identified that different strategies for care coordination were used across studies. So, for example, um, case management, care pathways, education, those are 
are all um, elements that that comprise that that um, more umbrella term of, of care coordination. So in our subgroup analyses, uh, we found that different combinations of these care coordination intervention elements um, that positively impacted on specific disease dyads. So there are three in particular that I would like to highlight. So the combination of case management, education, and self-management significantly reduced depressive symptoms in older adults with the disease dyad combination of depression and COPD or diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And this intervention combination also reduced HbA1c levels in those with diabetes plus another disease. So there are different types of other diseases in addition to diabetes. In the second subgroup analyses, interventions that included at least education as a component, so it could have other types of components, but it had at least education, significantly reduced dyspnea-related disability, and it improved cognitive functioning in patients with diabetes and depression or COPD and heart failure. And the last combination that I wanted to just quickly mention is care pathways and education, which significantly increased mental health service use in uh, in people with diabetes with depression or cardiovascular disease. Um, it's fair to say that it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen when you set out to do a study like this. Did you have some a priori ideas as to which sets were going to yield positive results, or were you pretty surprised by these findings? Well, there is some uh, evidence in the literature suggesting that um, a care coordination um, has potential for impact. So I think we 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 did find the same. So we that conclusion has been similar. I think what what we really have added to that knowledge is to really look at the nuances of, of care coordination in terms of these other elements and how they fit together um, in particular disease diet combinations. So for so the fact that we know that we can um, consider case management and education and self-management together as a way of reducing depressive symptoms, for example, in a particular population of depressed patients with um, COPD or diabetes and cardiovascular disease. I think it, it provides a level of um, information that, that could potentially be more useful um, in, in clinical practice. Dr. Strauss, what can physicians in practice take from this study and apply in their general practice or in their geriatric clinic as of today? So this is a couple of things. First of all, I think one of the main messages is around promoting collaborative care. And I think that it is a very promising approach for chronic disease management. And in particular, if we think about the dyads that Dr. Kastner was talking about, that if we, if we look at those dyads of diseases, that in particular collaborative care was promising for patients with depression and diabetes, for example, and depression and other conditions. And I think that we really want to make sure that we're explicit about what collaborative care is and that it's really focused on a patient or client-centered process where different professions and disciplines interact to share their knowledge and their expertise and really promote kind of shared decision-making in the interest of the patient. And it's really moving beyond kind of you know, just 
sending communications to healthcare providers to engaging people in a collaborative care model and providing that team approach. So it does imply a team change needs to happen and that people are very participatory and coordinated in their approach to assessing and managing patients and focusing on the, the not just the health, but um, the, the, the social environment of the individual as well. And in particular, then, we also suggest that older adults with depression and diabetes can benefit from care coordination with or without education. And in particular, that these interventions have an impact on lowering hemoglobin A1C, reducing depressive symptoms, and also increasing the access and use of mental health services. So when you're imagining what needs to change in our Canadian healthcare system, in light of the comments you've just been making, do you, do you have in mind primary care practice or are you thinking of the whole hierarchy of specialty practice and subspecialty practice? How do you think this is going to cause a change in practice, this new way of understanding many diseases occurring in a single patient? Exactly. So that's a great question. And I think that it really relates to a higher level systems level that it's not just primary care, but it's primary care and specialty care. And it's thinking about uh, coordinated care across specialties and really promoting, like think about it from the patient's perspective and making sure that it really is collaboration across all the, all the individual care partners that are involved. So, so I think it's one of the things I always worry about is that a lot of times people always say, you know, everything trickles down to the, to the very hardworking primary care clinicians. And for sure, the primary care clinician is at the forefront of this with their patient. But we have to call on the specialists to make sure that they are part of this collaborative team and that they are seen as a member of this team. One of the things that uh, caught my attention as a practitioner is that uh, we have guidelines and certainly a lot of them are directed toward primary care practitioners, but they tend to be siloed by disease. Do you think we need a new kind of guideline? I think we do need a, a new a new type of guideline for sure. We need guidelines that look across multiple conditions. So we can't just be thinking about single conditions. We have to think about beyond a single condition. And we also have to think about the implementability of these different recommendations. And so what's possible from a patient perspective as well as a system perspective. Dr. Kastner, where do you think the research needs to go in this area now? So um, I think one of the most important implications um, of our study, and I think that's something that needs to change uh, to address the challenges faced by our aging population, is that we need to shift the way we think about multimorbidity management. So I think we need to focus on a more patient-oriented and more holistic strategy um, that will target uh, management of common disease clusters, just like Dr. Strauss just described, uh, with guidelines. So rather than treating one disease at a time, so, for example, um, in our study, 90, 92% of our meta-analyses included older adults with at least depression as part of the disease cluster. So this really highlights that depression is prevalent amongst uh, coexisting conditions, and it most often occurs in combination with diabetes um, in our study. Um, and other frequently occurring disease clusters that we should pay closer attention to our COPD and heart failure, um, diabetes and cardiovascular disease um, 
as well as some of the, the other types of or combinations of disease clusters that we consider as um, discordant. So the ones that don't necessarily share care pathways or risk factors. Um, and I guess another really important um, but related area that that I think needs to change um, is is the way we think about the involvement of both patients and providers in that whole decision-making process for coming up with the best possible management strategy to tackle multimorbidity. So we know that the evidence suggests that um, optimized multimorbidity management requires not only a better understanding of the health priorities of both patients and providers, but also how we might integrate and consider them together in, in this management plan. So I think what it boils down to is that we need to recognize that patients and providers might have very different priorities and they each perceive the complexities of multimorbidity differently. So we know that uh, for patients, um, it's about overcoming confusing and often conflicting information that they might receive from multiple providers, uh, which would make it difficult for them to adhere to advice and treatment regimens. Um, and their priorities, which are often driven by uh, wanting to reduce symptoms and having a better quality of life. Whereas for providers, it's about their thinking through the clinical complexities of multiple chronic conditions, particularly for diseases that are considered discordant, um, such as, uh, for example, diabetes and COPD. Um, and what might be the best course of action to minimize morbidity and mortality risk? So clinicians often think about that. Um, so as you can imagine, integrating these two very different perspectives could have an incredible amount of value in terms of creating a multimorbidity plan that considers and integrates both uh, health priorities. And so this brings up uh, one final um, additional point that I wanted to make, um, which is that shared decision-making may be a great potential vehicle for this, this type of integration. But again, what, what we need to do more work around this is it's very similar to what we described in terms of the challenges around interventions and guidelines. Um, it's the same kind of challenge with decision aids because most existing shared decision-making tools are developed only for a single disease. So we need to do a little bit more work around that. And so all of these strategies or, or, or implications that, that, that we've described, they, they need to consider a patient-centered approach by tailoring uh, to the needs of the patients and the provider and the providers. And I think all, all of these ideas uh, need to be tested and confirmed. So we still have a lot of work ahead of us to make that happen. Dr. Strauss, when we're teaching the medical students and the residents in our clinics, we ask them to focus and stay focused on the patient to get to know as much as they can about the whole patient and about the particulars of their families and their lives. But it seems to me the implication of this research is uh, the consideration for the patient has got to be taken to a whole new level, and we have to learn how to teach our trainees about multimorbidity, the interaction of diseases in particular patients, to be sure, but in particular patients with specific combination of diseases. How much impact do you think this is going to have on our teaching? It's a great question, and I think that it should have an impact on our, on our teaching because I think that the study reflects our patient population, and this segment of our population is going to continue to grow, and so we have to prepare our trainees 
for meeting the needs of this population. And so in particular, it's thinking about how do we teach around the combinations of diseases? How do we teach around ensuring that people are eliciting patient priorities when they've got more than one condition, which is the priority to, to address at this particular point in time? How do we elicit those priorities? How do we make sure that every time we see a patient that we're considering that and that we use that to kind of guide the, the, the ongoing management and, and engage the patients and, and share decision-making? So I think it does require a new approach to our, not just the way we practice, but the way we teach. Thank you for this, colleagues. Thank you so much, Dr. Flagel. Thank you very much, Dr. Flagel. It was our pleasure. I've been speaking with Professor Monica Kastner, Research Chair in Knowledge Translation and Implementation at North York General Hospital in Toronto, and Dr. Sharon Strauss. Interim Physician-in-Chief at St. Michael's Hospital and Vice Chair and Professor of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Along with their co-authors, they published a research article on effectiveness of interventions for managing multiple high-burden chronic diseases. To read the article, visit www.cmaj.ca. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, or your favorite app. While you're there, you can browse and listen to our many past episodes, and you can leave us a rating, please. I'm Dr. Ken Flagel, Senior Editor for Research at CMAJ. Thank you for listening.